0: I'm in love with
2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for August 3rd, 2021. We're members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time reoccurring donation. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spirits. Join alongside, as always, my co-host, a friend, Case Lowe. In Case, biggest weekend in Dragon System history has passed us by. We are now firmly in the Great Reset. But how are you doing today?
0: I- I'm well. It-, it feels good to be done with this weekend because I don't, I, I don't remember a weekend where there was a- so much at stake. I think there have been Kobe Worlds during this iteration of the company which i'll really extend back to about 2013 the idea of some sort of live viewing experience for the world outside of japan either whether it being UStream or nico nico or the dragon gate network we've had that access for eight years now which is hard to believe i think there have been kobe worlds where there's been a little bit more hype leading up to it i think 2015 2016 those are really hard to beat but There was just something very satisfying about this weekend, and I would love to pick apart the booking, and I think there are times where I'm going to have some questions that I certainly need to have be answered as we move into August and September and the busy part of the Dragon Gate calendar. But as a whole, the big word coming out of this weekend for me is just how satisfying everything was. It was nice to see the discourse pick up online. It was nice to see so many people sharing their memories about Masao Yoshino. And when we had Jay on the podcast last week, and he talked about how no one watched Champion Gate, Dead or Alive didn't hit. King of Gate was marred by COVID. Dragon Gate needed a big show to deliver. And I think they delivered with two big shows, arguably the two biggest shows in the company's history this past weekend
2: yeah i said this in my written review on voices of wrestling but i walked away from Speedstar's final having a new favorite show in dragon's history it just was really oh yeah oh yeah it's something that for me at least it ticked all the boxes we had some really outstanding matches i mean three out of the four uh championship matches were incredible and then Masato Yoshino did not want to play the greatest hits. Masato Yoshino wanted to go out like Masato Yoshino. And that's not to get into other things they accomplished on this weekend. I mean, the fact that, I mean, combined sold 6,000 seats, you know, I mean, a real healthy sign there. And it just felt like an event. And I walked away from the weekend. As you said it, like the best word to call it is satisfied.
0: Yeah, there was a lot happening, a lot of moving parts, titles changing hands, certainly plant uh, 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 seeds being planted for the future. Rather as I stutter all over myself there, but there was a lot happening this weekend. But at the end of uh, at the end of it, it just felt right. It felt like they put their best foot forward. It felt like they delivered on the English side of the production uh, production side with Jay and Ho Ho Loon. I thought they were excellent this weekend, and I, I I'll mention this up top. we'll talk. Trust me, we'll talk plenty about ho ho loon as this show goes on but jay said something on the podcast last week that really stuck with me this idea that now a japanese wrestling company they not only need to have english commentary but the bar has been raised so much that they need to have good english commentary because of what kevin kelly does in new japan and because of what the guys do for the cyber agent stuff and i thought Jay really stepped up to the plate this week, and I don't have much of a personal relationship with Jay. You know, I, I send him an email about every three months when I have a Dragon Gate question that you can't answer, and then he comes on the show about once a year, and that's pretty much all we talk. But on a personal level, I was happy for Jay because I thought he knocked it out of the park this week. I thought the production was at an elite standard on the English side of things. And then you look at the pageantry, the special entrances, the theme songs, everything that happened on screen. And this felt like a WrestleMania. This felt like a Wrestle Kingdom. This felt as big as it could get in the in-ring action, match the production levels. This was just a massive win for Dragon Gate. This is one of those weeks where... I don't know how much we're going to disagree. This might be an hour and a half of us talking about how much we love this match and this match and this match. And, you know, at times that's not the most compelling audio. But what is the, there? There's not a ton to pick apart from what we saw over this past weekend. It was a magnificent weekend. Like I will continue to say, it was a satisfying weekend and I'm ready to break everything down with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I cosign most of it. And, and I think there's some places that we diverge a little bit. So it won't be just us going, yep, that's how I, how I feel too. Uh, let's take it from Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival. It was on the 31st. It'll be up on the network through the 6th. Then it'll come down. I don't know exactly the schedule for re-releasing stuff. But I know that Gaeor, their TV partner, has them on a pretty quick turnaround for Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival and Speedstar Final. So maybe it gets up there. Really, really soon. Uh, we had Match Zeros. Match Zeros did not get televised. So I'm just going to gloss over them. It just, you know, I mean, that, it's a shame that I, I, would, I would love to see more Super Shisa in my life, but that's not the world we, we live in. The opener was Don Fuji, Masaki Mochizuki, and Ryo Saito versus the RED tandem of BB Hulk, Hio, and Kai. The, the fall was the Sai Ryo Rocket on Hyo.
0: I think before we talk about the match, this is a natural point for us to talk about Rio Saito and everything that's happened yep. with him. Why his name has been in the news this week, Mike? What can you tell us about the former Open the Dreamgate champion?
2: So, on August second, so Wednesday or Monday, God, the, the, this whole schedule thing is throwing me off here. But on the second, they have announced that Rio Saito is now the terminate general manager, and he has also been named to the board of directors. The previous GM was Takayuki Yagi, who as a part of his roles, including being the senior official, he would be the general manager. What does that mean? So that does not mean that that Ryo Saito is the booker. Either that's something that goes that's gone around. The GM character is mostly kayfabe, mostly kayfabe. And what the GM does is if you watch a live show on the Dragon Gate Network, you'll see a uh, ring announcer Kakuchi and more often than not uh, Yagi do an opening talk for like the first 10 minutes of every show. And then they start bringing people in there. And then Yagi, whenever there was a big match to be made, he would come in into the ring and that's when he would always be very gleeful because he likes making matches and making people's lives hell. And that's going to be Ryo Saito's role going forward. I th- believe Yagi is just going to be doing his, uh, Refereeing and for Rio Saito, it's very interesting because I was talking with some people who live in Japan, and I was talking about like this, and I don't think it's known how much Rio Saito really does for the company. I mean he's he's named to a he was named to the board of directors, which is a big role within the company, but I was unaware of this, and this was something that that I was told that the veracity of it I trust. So I was told that Rio Saito is pretty much the person who ran all those prime zone and next shows. And like part of his role also being like the ring announcer is he was kind of like directing traffic, but those were kind of his baby. I So it just seems like that was like a natural step up. Now he's going to be the person that kind of representing the company as a general manager moving forward. He is not retiring. He's still going to have an in-ring presence. But if you've watched Rio Saito and I, I know that John Hernandez, big Rio Saito fan might be a little bit, uh, sad to for me to say this, he's someone that that like they've they've really pulled focus from him. He's not as much of a role anymore. Team Boku is probably the most significant kind of role you would expect out of him at this point, and he's going to wrestle and be general manager. And he, I the one thing that that I saw that I think would be really exciting, Case i not like get your take on this. What if we get the uh, reoccurrence of middle school vice principal, Ryo Saito as strong manager? Cause I feel like there's a strong possibility that we might be revisiting the dragon gate middle school real soon.
0: I think that'd be fun. I, there's a lot that they can do with Saito overtaking this role. Now I won't begrudge them if it's business as usual. And just instead of Yagi talking, you have Saito talking, but going forward, especially as we enter this new era One of the things that I think has been lacking from Dragon Gate over the past three or four years is their signature match styles. We obviously still get the Dead or Alive Cage match. Last September's at Dangerous Gate was very complicated uh, and stipulation heavy. This year's was, you know, a little complicated, but a a two-on-two match that divulged into a singles match was pretty easy to follow. But what we're missing is our Nanawas style elimination matches, are captain's fall elimination matches more big multi-team multi-man matches and i would like going forward to have you know whether it's a kayfabe influence or a real behind the scenes poll with Saito now in this role at least for the the interim i would like to see the resurgence of you know match stipulations and match types that make people scratch their chin and go wait, what are the rules here? What are we doing? Because that for so long was such an important part of Dragon Gate, and I do feel like they've gotten away from that. It's so strange to me not to totally go off on a tangent as we just open up the show, but, you know, the the generational warfare that happened last year between Toriyamon and Dragon Gate and R.E.D., Mike and I were huge fans of it. I loved 2020 Dragon Gate. Thought it was tremendous. Thought it was so well-booked. Thought the in-ring action was there. Really liked the year. The one thing that was missing... Was the crazy multi man matches that you would think Dragon Gate of all companies would give you. And I kind of hope that going forward, there's a bit more focus on that. We'll see if there is or not. For Saito, more power to him. Uh, you know, he's obviously been loyal to the company. He's now transitioning into an executive role. He has this kayfabe role. More power to him. I'm happy for him.
2: Yeah, the, the only other thing that I wanted to add in before I forgot. <laughs> is that it's interesting to see him in this role because he was always the person that if you've noticed he when he's lower down the cards he always grabs the microphone as soon as he hits the ring addresses the crowd cracks a couple jokes and then moves on here i mean after the end of over generation he was kind of the person kept up first gong kids so this is not like a big change character wise so it's not gonna be like like imagine how abrupt it would be if BB Hulk was suddenly named general manager. Like
0: <laughs> the, uh, and that I would like to see, that would be such an abrupt change that it would really get my attention.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's something that I'd be interested to see, like what kind of flavor comes out of it. And especially given some of the stuff that we're seeing in August, seeing that they're going back to unit warfare. I think it's about time, you know, we didn't really have very many three way or four way matches last year or this year, really, to be honest. Be nice to see some more of that next year as we go on. Uh, did you have really many thoughts on this opening match? Uh, you wrote the review of it on Voices of Wrestling. I just like a lot of this stuff on the undercard, except for like the stuff that was announced way in advance, just kind of all happened and nothing was bad to me.
0: Yeah, this blew by. I, I thought even for a short, pretty unimportant match, it was one where you, you look at Masaki Mochizuki at 51 years old and you go, man, that guy is still really 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 good and i like the fact that he busted out a big dive in this opening match befitting of the big show i went two and three quarters on it and then quickly moved on with my life
2: same. And as we're moving on, match two, eight-man tag team match. Uh, Natural Vibes, UT and Funky Jackie Kamei teamed with Yosuke Samura and Takashi Yoshida against Benkei and really uh, having... He was the uh, 2006 uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, and he was LeBron James, as you say, because he teamed with Gamma, Problem Dragon, and Punchstone Monaka. Benkei did pull him across the finish line, getting the win with the spear on Yosuke Samura in five minutes and 20 seconds.
0: I was ready for Ben K to do a backstage angle with Yamato where he takes Yamato out of out of the August 1st Dreamgate match after this because this was such an effective display of power and performance from Ben K. And he's someone who's had a weird year. There's times where it seems like he's been really focused on and times where he's been lost in the shuffle. I It ultimately led to here, which, you know, a squash match here that solely featured him and then a title match the next night. So I think things worked out. My God, was he impressive in this match. There's times where... It's not that there's a lack of progression with Ben K, but he has been in the company for five years now. In the core Ben K elements, the spear, the deadlift, gut wrench, suplex, moves like that have always been in the arsenal. And we've seen them and we've seen them and we've seen them up in the car. We've seen them on the lower card. We've seen them. But every once in a while you have a match like this where he can do a spot that you've seen a thousand times and then it's still you go, my, this guy... This guy is a freak of nature. The fact that he is as big as he is, as strong as he is, but also as quick as he is, I think that was really on display in this match. And although it's a nothing match, if you're pressed for time, you can totally skip it. I thought Ben K was super impressive here.
2: Yeah, and I I guess more I want to talk about Ben K when we talk about his match uh, on Speedstar Final. But yeah, no, I mean, he came out there, he played the hits. Funky Jackie Kamei had a very regrettable set of overalls on. And those are my two big takeaways from this match.
0: Yeah, really. Solid. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Kame because we talked a few weeks ago about how I wasn't sure if the gear was doing him any favors or not, but he switched to the white overalls. And, and let me just say, Funky jacket, and Kame, welcome to hashtag team overalls. I'm a big fan of your look now.
2: I mean, overalls in the Dragon System will always be suspect. I thought that I, I, he is a lot more over than i think people realize <laughs> and i'm like okay i guess it works people like this look so it's okay so i'll just bite my tongue
0: yeah he's someone that i i think he's uh abiding his time on the undercard it wouldn't shock me if by this time next year he's floating around the Bravegate scene or he's an integral part of a triangle gate team because like you said and that's something that that you in particular have been ahead of everybody else on uh just judging from social media interactions the little bit of crowd interaction that we've been able to get over the past years he's largely his, his career has largely been wrestling in front of clap crowds but this idea like hey you know Kame really gets a response there's something to this guy and we saw him overachieve as a young boy and now that he's been put into a, a bit of a bigger pond there are times where he struggled. You know, his his cork and debut as Funky Jack and Kame did not go well. It was a, a, a shockingly bad performance given the standard that we usually see from Dragon Gate. But ever since then, uh, he's been an, a nice steady hand on the undercard. And I think things are only going to go up for him in the future.
2: Well, you talked about steady. Let's talk about a match that not the most steady match of the weekend. This was the special singles match. Koda Minora defeated Ada with the gong in 11 minutes, and we didn't really get a chance to talk about that because we were really good vibes last week, but uh, we, as you put it, we got the full Ada experience, and there's some stuff about it that I really liked, but there was some stuff about it that I think really kind of pulled it down in a way.
0: Yeah, I wrote about it over at VoicesWrestling.com, so I'd, I'd really like to hear your thoughts first because we have not talked about either of these shows. I don't know what you thought. I... I I briefly scanned your review for some star ratings, but I did not sit down and comb through it just because I knew we were going to talk about this and I wanted to go on fresh.
2: That's fair. Uh, I went three and three quarters on this and two and a half of those stars go to Kota Nora. <laughs> I thought Kota looked excellent here. I mean, he's someone that rises to the occasion. But I mean, the problem is, is that sometimes with Ada, you get matches like this. This was a match that I was really not, I was really hoping for no RED shenanigans, but Ada. Had his special chair out and wanted to break it there. I thought that Menorah looked great in this. I thought that the finishing stretch, especially how they played uh, uh, Kota Minora, just like dodging out uh, and then like interacting with Imperial Unos given the next month, the next night. I thought that was really cool. But, you know, it just was something that like we came into this match hoping it was going to be spreadsheet and we did not get a spreadsheet level match. And I think the, the burden of that lays on Ada's shoulders for that.
0: No, and unfortunately, you know, not only did we get what I would classify as a great match, but compared to his prior matches, him being Coach Minora's prior singles matches against Yamato and against Mochizuki and even against KZ in defeat, it really felt like like Minora went from one place to another in those matches. He started somewhere and his character grew and finished in another spot in those matches. Here, there wasn't any growth. Yes, he beats Aita, which is huge, because you can now look at his calendar year, and in this year, he's beaten Hulk, he's beaten Mochizuki, he's beaten Yamato, and he's beaten Ata. and I still think, had it not been for COVID precautions, he would have beaten Naruki Doi and King of Gate as well. So you can say he's beaten four former Dreamgate champions and arguably five, if you want to count Doi there as well. So he's at the cusp of being a main eventer. He's right there. If he challenges Yamato for the Dream Gate belt at Dangerous Gate, it's not going to surprise me at all. But this wasn't that big last win he needed to establish himself as a main eventer. And again, that has nothing to do with Minora. I thought he was great in this match. He's been great in almost every match he's had this year. But like you said just now, like I said in my review, it was the full ETA experience where, you know, the closing stretch... I'm locked in because you watch this guy in the closing stretch, and he's working tight, and he's working snug, and everything is slick, and he's right there with Coach Menorah. But in this 11-minute match, you had to deal with about nine minutes of laissez Fair 2018-2019 ATA where you have to question this guy's motivation levels. This is the biggest show of the year, and guys showed out. Guys like Dragon Dia. Guys like La Estrella, they showed out. Okay, the young talent was here on this show, and the veterans killed it as well. H is in the prime of his career; he's twenty nine years old, and this was just another weak form. At least this match, I, I, I will, I will save my thoughts for the August first performance that he gave. But in this match, I it just didn't, it didn't feel. Like it, it lived up to its spot on this show. This should have been a big match. This should have been a memorable Kota Minora performance. And Ata being the veteran, being arguably one of the faces of this company, should have led him there. And I just don't think he did. And in a way, I think he let Coach Minora down.
2: Yeah, and it's something that really, given the era change and given everything going forward. Could have really used that out of Ada here. We'll talk about the next night when we get to it. And it's something that yes, he has all the momentum, but this is not the kind of match that I would want to have Kota Minora in in a lead up to his first Dreamgate shot. Like that was like my takeaway. I was like, this was a fine match, but uh not to the standard in what what I was expecting.
0: No, because it it went into that overcoming the R.E.D. odds thing, which is, again, it's a logical story to tell on paper, but he didn't need that against Yamato, and he didn't need that against Mochizuki in the KZ match. Even the loss, I thought, told a better story. There was a, a logical layout to this match. I just thought it was thoroughly uninteresting. It played into the worst instincts of Ata, the same guy that we saw in the Dragon Kid feud in Beyond, where I just, I don't know what to do with him. He, he is the most frustrating wrestler I can remember. Because I just never know, especially on this roster, which is built on consistency and perfection. And then there's Ata, and I just never know what I'm going to get from this guy. And it's so frustrating because you always see it there. You always see the glimpse of, oh my god, this guy is so good. This guy could lead the company. This guy could do this. This guy could do that. And then he does this, and... You just get frustrated, and it's funny how things change as time goes on, because in 2018, 2019, when the Stronghearts exodus happened, and for a while, Stronghearts seemed to be the hot item, you know, it seemed like Shima was going to kill it in Shanghai, and they were going to kill it in Wrestle 1, and they were going to kill it all across the globe, I came on this show and I talked about how, you know, that could be Aita, Aita could have been in that group, but in the ring, uh, while Shima was in dragon he constantly called out Ata for being passive and for not being hungry enough and for not being this and for not being that and it seemed like there were very real emotions coming out of shima and it just seems like Ata's a guy who's always going to be one step forward two steps back i loved his Dreamgate run but what has he done after that he feels like a total afterthought he's been overtaken in his own unit seemingly by a 21 year old which granted the kid's a phenom i get it but Ata's not doing anything, at least in my mind, to help out that talent discrepancy between what SP Kento brings to the table right now and what Ata has been bringing to the table.
2: And it's something that, like, Ata's been around now for over a decade. I I feel like that we kind of know what we get from him, and he's naturally kind of a laconic kind of person, and it's something that's kind of frustrating with it, because I still think like Ada versus Susumu 2016 and King of Gate is one of my favorite King of Gate matches ever. And performance he was putting on there and the performance he does put on is just sometimes just outstanding, but you just can't always trust that it's going to happen or things are going to flow to what flow the best way to have the uh, match that people are expecting. Like the end goal happened here, right? Like we all knew that Kota Minor was going to win this match. But the path we took there, I think, I, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, I was like, not the path I would have taken for this match.
0: No, I think I said it last week when we were talking about Ata being in Noah as well. I, I just wish for the sake of things, you know, like you said, he's been in the promotion for a decade now. He's only 29 years old and he's a Grand Slam champion. I need him to go away for nine to 12 months. And that's not a dig at him. That's not because I don't like him. That's just because I think it would do his career wonders if he went back to Mexico or he went to Noah or pops up on AEW Rampage, whatever it is he has to do. I just want him to go away for a little bit. There's always this weird pressure, I feel, when Ata's in any sort of pushed position where it feels forced and it feels like this is a guy that they feel like they have to push and very rarely... Does it feel natural? And that's what I battled with all of last year leading up to his Dream Gate win in August because, you know, that match was incredible. Doi versus Ato was in my top 10. I think it was in my top five last year. One of the best matches I saw. But leading up to that, all we could talk about was, God, Kaito Ishida feels so much hotter. Doesn't it seem like Kaito Ishida should be in this role? Doesn't it seem like Ishida would be the more interesting champion? And then Ato won the belt and it was terrific. And then his reign, you know... It, it was fine, but it, it, it certainly sputtered before he guy, gave up the belt to Shun Skywalker. And then it was nice when R.E.D. was, you know, again, kind of this SB Kento, Kaito Ishida, Hip Hop, Kakuta focus. And then you put Ata back in this position and it's just like, it, it, it's like grinding my teeth. It's just this uncomfortable pressure. Whenever this guy's in a big moment, I don't know what I'm going to get from him. And unfortunately, I'm often left frustrated at his output.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's and it, like the reason why I really brought up the ten year thing is I think this is who he is, you know, and it's just something that like, I do think that him maybe getting more focused, getting ejected out of R.E.D. in recent and future weeks. And then just focusing in Noah for however long, I think is the best thing probably, I think, for long term. But also, I know that he's someone that is, I mean, Jay talked about on the show. He's such a reliable person in a lot of ways that the company needs that I don't know if they can really that they really want him to go away. So it's just going to be a no, very he's
0: he's the one of the biggest stars they have. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. I see the value of it. He's almost he's almost like Cody, where, you know, uh, just my brief history on my thoughts on Cody. When he left to go to the Indies, I was actively rooting against him. I thought, I, I don't like this guy in this scene. He feels like a poser. I didn't want him to do well. I wanted him to go to impact and just be out of my world for forever. And then I was at all in and I was so captivated by Cody's entrance with the dog and with the family and with the track suits and everything I saw. And he pulled a good match out of Magnus, which is not easy to do. And in that moment, I was like, Oh my God, I understand Cody Rhodes. I understand why people lose their mind for this guy. And on the whole now, I find myself often defending Cody because he is a giant star. And for all of the things that he does that annoy me, for the fact that I Mm -hmm. do think he is a corny motherfucker, and I don't think I would get along with Cody super well. We are very different people. I see the value in him. I see the value in Ata, but unfortunately he has so many detractions that it often distracts me from seeing just who he is and what he could be it's the same thing with cody i want to root for him but he does things that make it hard to do so and ATA is very much the same way
2: uh not not to pile on but i had the exact moment and then with cody but it was double or nothing 2019 coming out and seeing the crowd respond i was like all right i get it immediately i get it he's the ace for that given company now like that like that was it i was like okay he He's, he's good here forever, but I totally understand that mindset. I was very similar there as well. Uh, moving along, uh, we have a lot on uh, on Kobe World. Uh, first title match was the Open the Triangle Gate Championship with Masquerade defending against R.E.D., Dragon Dia, Jason Lee, and La Australia versus S.B. Kento, Diamante, and Dia Inferno. Masquerade made their first successful defense of the Triangle Gate belts when Dragon Dia penned diet inferno with a reptilian in 1323 Uh this was i ended up like not expecting the kind of match they were ha- they would have here but i thought it came together and maybe i was hoping a little bit more for like the classic face-offs and then to stick on that and maybe some more adjacent in it but you know i went three and three quarters on it this was very solid it just was one of those things when you look at red versus masquerade and the people involved I was maybe anticipating a little bit more, or is wish casting a bit.
0: I think I'm probably going to be the high man on this out of anybody that I've seen. I, I haven't seen anyone crack four stars, I don't think. And I ended up going four and a quarter on this. It's exactly what I wanted. When I previewed this match last week, I talked about all the different pairings that we could get here. Obviously, Dragon Dia, Dia Inferno, La Straya Diamante. We've seen those two attached at the hip for a reason they work so well together. And then you had Jason Lee and SB Kento who had been working this angle on Twitter leading up to this match. So I knew they were going to go in motivated. I knew they were going to go in and crush it. And that's exactly what they did. This was uh, far from the most spectacular Triangle Gate match there's ever been. There are certainly matches with more intricate spots uh, done with uh, greater execution, done with bigger moves and a hotter crowd and a better finishing stretch. But to me, this was exactly what i was hoping for this was good old-fashioned triangle gate wrestling in the same way that i talked about earlier where i would like to see some of the old staples come back into Gate, just to have on these two shows just plain and simple trios matches for these belts in matches that felt like there was a purpose to them you know there was build to this match and and given agon East on the next night there was obviously built-in intrigue there it was nice that these belts felt important, and the results of both matches shocked me. I would have given Masquerade leaving this weekend with the Triangle Gate belts like one uh, a, a 1% chance of happening. I was shocked that they won both matches, but I'm so glad they did because they continue to feel like a cohesive unit I loved this match. I loved everyone involved. Mike, how about La Estrella? You know, he really shit the bed at Dead or Alive. That was his (laughs) first really big match. And quite frankly, he was terrible. He was terrible in that match. And oh my God, I thought he killed it here.
2: Oh yeah. No, this was a match that really took the parts of Estrella that he had down and started adding back some stuff because it was very noticeable that after Dead or Alive and after the... uh, the televised show right after that was not doing so hot in the ring. He just was just kind of having the yips in a way. <laughs> like, like, that's what came off like. It was just stuff. I was like, I've seen you hit this, Estrella. You're in your head right now at this point for for what we know. And, you know, they had him attached to the hip with Diamante over the last month and a half. And that's paid off here because Diamante went into this match going like I'm gonna make this kid look like an absolute star and boy, he really did show out here. It, like th- it was something that like we got the crazy handspring arm drag, the to war arm drag out of him. just like the whole uh, the, the whole like just ability there and body control that he really showed off here. like this is the thing that like he's someone that I feel like is always going to be a little bit up and down. But I think it's very important for this guy still eight months into his career, like the first like big, big show of the Dragon Gate career for him. He really got a chance to to kind of erase the uh, bad taste that was left in our mouth by May.
0: I had my eyes on SP Kento for a lot of this match because, you know, my big talking point with him has been for as talented as he is and he's so good at so many different things it seems like the in-ring is the thing that's arguably lacking from his game. And I think ever since he turned last November, ever since he went from Kento Kabune to SB Kento, all of his matches have been extremely driven by this character work that at times has been very satisfying, at times it's been a little bit overbearing, but you've clearly seen what he's trying to do. And I think this is the first big SBK match since his turn where he wrestled more like Kento Kabune than he did SB Kento. And while I love the aspects of the character that he's brought into the ring, I love how character heavy he is. It was really nice to see him dial that back a little bit and put forth one of his strongest in-ring performances ever. Now, look, he was attached at the hip to Jason Lee in this match, and and I got news for you. If you're attached at the hip to Jason Lee, good things are going to happen to you. This guy's an unbelievable professional wrestler. I've yelled about it all year. I'll yell about it more later on on the show when Mike and I break down some numbers at just how good Jason Lee has been this year. But I was really, really happy with the SB Kento performance because I thought he he showed himself as a wrestler more so than a character in this match and like i said by the end of it i was completely satisfied four and a quarter stars for me i recognize i might be the high man on it but i've loved almost all of these red versus masquerade matches and for them to deliver like this on a big show on a big spot i was tickled to death by it i love this
2: yeah yeah it was something that was nice to see how everything kind of came to be together and I have never been a really high person on Dia Inferno, the character. It just was one of those things that it was just a little bit, I was like, all right, I get what you're trying to do, but it's just like the biting and like the idea that this guy did not know how to wrestle, but like in the whole, and I think that's something that I think the storyline and the way that like Jay and Hoho like sold it. Great job there. Like saying, like it seems like he is, but like really coming together. And it actually feels like that this Inferno Dia feud is warranted now and i guess that will be the kind of the interesting thing to kind of track because they're going to be attached until the match it'll be interesting to see the path we get there might be a little bit a little bit longer than we anticipated case
0: uh, yeah it's one of those deals where if they blow it off at dangerous gate you know fine it, obviously dragon dice injury delayed things they might want to move on they might want to get the guy who's under the Di Inferno mask back into a, a more regular character but if they extend this, you know, say through the end of the year, I'm not going to mind because I, I have been much more favorable towards Di Inferno than you. I, I like just how different it felt and how for a while it was like he was a- almost wrestling as an untrained wrestler, someone that didn't recognize what wrestling was. And as time has gone on, he's added more signature moves. Now he's just, you know, a Drengate wrestler in a crazy costume, basically. And I think that works just as well. I would not hate seeing them extend this a little bit longer because it, it, it feels like this feud started hot, got cold, then diet got injured. They started again cold this year, and now it's really picking up momentum, and it feels like something that is catching on. And if you blow it off in August or September, I, I get it move on from it but it feels like there's a little bit more there i'm interested in seeing what the next step and then the preceding steps afterwards are going to be this has some breathing room to it let it breathe
2: yeah i'll be interested in seeing that play out something that did play out was the reign of kesuke as brave gate champion as he fell in his sixth defense against ginky horiguchi ginky got the win with a backslide from heaven he became the 40th champion and Yeah, Okuda is something that looking back at his title run, I don't, I'm not satisfied with it other than the UT match. And this was just another kind of their match, in my opinion, with it. I went three and a quarter because they did everything, like everything came across all right, and the crowd did get into it. It just is, these two guys, in my opinion, don't really have a whole lot of chemistry. Okuda works a style in the matches they, put him up against not a lot of people who are really game for that style and it's just something that like in retrospect i feel like the highest moment of his uh title run was defeating uh kaido ashita here because now it's over i'm like oh that all happened and that was it
0: so Okudo won the belt last november at gate of destiny he beat ashita for it and then two weeks later at world beat ashita again for his first offense from there he went on to defeat Kagatora, Hyo, Punch-Tamanaga, and Yuti before losing the belt to Horaguchi. So clearly, the plot got lost somewhere because not only is that a Kagatora defense, which doesn't light my world on fire anyways, but that was Kagatora pre-high end, where he seems to be you know, rejuvenized in a way. This was Kagatora at the end of 2020 when I, there were few wrestlers on the roster that I found to be less interesting than him. The Yo! match, which I thought was really well done, even the punch match, I thought was really well done for what it was, but it it was a big step down from our feud of the year last year, which was him and Kaito Ishida, and we saw a glimpse of that with the UT match. I think had the feud ended with UT, I guess the title reign rather had ended with UT, and UT had won the belt, I think we would look at this as a success, but to have a a a two-and-a-half-month gap between the UT match and the Horaguchi loss, where it's not like Akuda was lighting the world on fire on multi-man tags in between then, it really feels like this rain sputtered, he, his stock dropped, he lost all of his momentum, and then unfortunately, and I'm one of the biggest Genki Horaguchi fans there is, not a good weekend for Horiguchi. I think we have seen that he is someone that, that can no longer wrestle at a high level in singles matches. Now, I think in tags and trios, he's fine. He just had a ridiculously great tag match in Kyushu Pro with Susumi Yokosuka as his partner. I'm not worried about him in the long term, but I, I do think his career as a singles wrestler is largely over at this point. And one of the big issues here is that you think about how physical Akuta is and what worked in the Ishida matches and what worked in the UT match. Is that Akuda could could literally rag all these guys and he could throw them around violently and aggressively, and Genki Horiguchi is just not at a point in his career where he can do that. He can't sustain that sort of punishment. So you you handicap Akuda in a way, and then you have Horiguchi who's a step slower. And unfortunately, this was this was not a great match. Even the backslide from heaven finish. And I do want to talk more about the backslide from heaven. But even that finish, which is so over with me, anybody that has listened to the show knows I love any good flash pin, in particular, the backslide from heaven. Even that just it, it came out of nowhere in this this way that wasn't super pleasing. It was it was like they skipped a step to get to the finish. And by the end of it, it was a it was a pretty flat three star match.
2: Yeah, I was just a quarter star higher, but I think that we're kind of on the same page there. Uh it, it's something where and, and I'm glad that Jay was able to talk about this on commentary. He he took a step back several years ago. And it's something where it's like important and, and I think he's someone that absolutely needs to be a part of the company. I still think he can go, especially, you know, in the right context. But it's just like, why are you putting someone whose style is is no off-button MMA striking and choking someone out against Ginky Horaguchi, who's just not going to do that. Like, even like in 2003 case, would you put 2003 Ginky Horaguchi up here against KSK Akuda? I wouldn't.
0: No, no, Horaguchi's thing has never been taking big bumps. He is a the definition of a work smarter, not harder kind of guy, and that's certainly not a begrudging statement against Horiguchi. He's a brilliant pro wrestler. I think he's brilliant, and I don't use that word lightly, par- partially, because he's been able to utilize the backslide from heaven so effectively. I'm assuming you watched the English feed for this show, Mike. Did you catch the discourse between Jay and Ho-Ho regarding the backslide from heaven?
2: Only the second best part of discourse between the two this weekend.
0: It it was it was such a win for commentary, and I'm not gonna I I, I don't want to tell their jokes for them. I would rather people just go back and watch this match, really to listen to the commentary more than anything, because Drangate's English commentary table has been a, a very interesting thing as it's evolved, because let's you know, you know, Jay and Larry Dallas together. I think they represented Drangate in a really strong way. They represented almost the Memphis like tendencies of this promotion where Larry Dallas was obviously, you know, a heel announcer rooting on Red and and being really heavy handed with it, and it it felt like it matched one tone of the promotion. Jing and Ho Ho together. Equally fits the promotion in a totally different way where it's really almost this family friendly (laughs) style broadcast. It feels like they're not only broadcasting for us, they're broadcasting for the six or the seven year old at home. And it's phenomenal listening to Jay go into this backstory about the backslide from heaven. And that's, you know, Jay's the one that named it. And this translation (laughs) means this thing, and this means this thing. And for him to go on this giant diatribe, and then at the end for Ho Ho to go, are you making this up it's just this this beautiful beautiful moment on commentary the whole match is hilarious and god i love those two together
2: they have like a real muppet show kind of vibe (laughs) Like, like that's the closest way i could kind of describe it like playing into like that and then you know uh, and it's something about Ho Ho knows lay out when Jay's going to get into, you know, the history lesson, the emotional context kind of thing. And it's just one of those things that like, I, I mean, like this, these were nine hours worth of shows. And the fact that like they were like constantly like finding like these kind of things rather than to kind of drone or drone on, but just like add a little bit of spice into it. It was just an absolute delight to delight to hear and it was just one of those things that when people who are new to dragon gate go like oh i really enjoyed this like 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 what a trip i'm like yeah no it's great and it was really nice to kind of see that happen with this weekend up did you have any other thoughts on this brave gate match i feel like we talked about it longer than the match itself should we get into the, the the upper card of this of the kobe world pro wrestling festival 2021 yeah, let's talk about
0: Masato Yoshino's second-to-last match.
2: Yeah, that's right. Speedstar, final countdown on Kobe, the penultimate match in Masato Yoshino's career. It was the team of Dragon Kid, Kakatora, Nuruki Doi, and Ultimo Dragon, along with Yamato, versus the T2P team of Brother Yashi, Shuji Kondo, Takuya Sugawara, Toru Owashi, and Masato Yoshino. And the one thing that we did not expect happened case. case happened as Kakatora pinned Masato Yoshino in his second-to-last match.
0: I was blown away by this finish, Mike. I I couldn't believe what I was watching as it happened because we were only moments removed from Masato Yoshino locking in the Sol Naciente on Ultimo Dragon and it looking like Ultimo was going to tap. And had Ultimo tapped to the Sol Naciente, had that been the finish to Masato Yoshino's second-to-last match, This is is going to be a lofty statement. It might have made me shed a tear because it would have been such a beautiful moment and such a strong sign of respect because Ultimo does not take falls and who could blame him? He's Ultimo Dragon. He shouldn't have to. But Yoshino had him in the Sol Naciente. And, you know, last week we racked our brains trying to come up with a finish because it's a weird match where so many guys needed to be protected. You know, on one end, you had this Yoshino team Uh, of kondo yashi and owashi who are going to challenge for the triangle gate belts and then we forgot last week that sugawara uh, was in the finals of the zero one fire festival wait wait wait. it's not that we forgot
2: like (laughs) let's be clear here
0: (laughs) that was such a by the way the fire festival lineup was so intriguing this year and the fact that sugawara won it is unbelievable wait he won it Japanese wrestling is at such a low point across the board because, yes, yeah, Sugawara won the Fire Festival this year in a tournament that looked really, really interesting on paper. And then at the end of it, they booked the least interesting <laughs> match possible, which was Sugawara versus Otani. And look, I love like on. Otani. <laughs> <laughs> they
2: this booked really the got you. Sagawara to defeat Sentaro fucking Otani, what are we doing? And, and
0: Otani's still so good. Like it's like yeah. I don't, I I don't. Want him to be in the finals just because it's not 2004. But Otani is really so good. But you had Abe, uh, uh, Fuminari Abe, Masato Tanaka, and Irie. And briefly, you had that Noah guy Yoshiki Amora, who I oh I do really like. Uh, and there's not a ton of young Noah guys that I like, but I think he's excellent. And they put Sugawara over in the finals, so you can't pin him. God forbid you mess up zero ones booking plans. And then on the other end, it's Dragon Kid who's in a title match, Kagatori's in a title match, Doi who's protected, Ultima who's protected, and Yamato is in a title match. We were racking our brains to come up with what the finish was going to be. And I was losing my mind at the prospect of Yoshino tapping out Ultimo. I just, I, oh my God, I thought that would have been the greatest story ever. Yoshino could take a fall in his final match, but for one night, he's better than Ultimo. And then fucking Kagatora breaks it up and pins Masato Yoshino. And I couldn't believe it. I was sitting on my couch, just like, like grabbing my head, not in, a, in, a, in, an, ang- in an angry way, but just like, what the fuck just happened? Masato Yoshino's retiring tomorrow and
2: Kagatora just pinned him? What What did I miss? And it's something that, like, retrospect now hindsight make perfect sense whatsoever he's the one person that you could be here like masato yoshino yes he is the greatest wrestler in dragon system history yes he is the person retiring the next night and Kagatora is way below his station here but it makes sense now but it's just one of those things that in the moment like i i'm someone that case you know when a big show happens with dragon gate i log off twitter I log off social media because it's on me to, to stay unspoiled, and I don't trust myself on those sites. So sitting here and watching this happen, not knowing any of the results, and going, wait, what? Kakatora, him, him, really, him? And then the next day, what happened at Speedstar I was like, all right, perfect sense. Yeah, that's what you should do here. I thought that was perfect in retrospect. It just was a very befuddling like 24 hours until I saw the next match. It's like, no, makes perfect sense. They did it again. They did it again. They did it great. But the match itself checked all the boxes. It was exactly kind of what you wanted. You got like a nice little homages. You got to have DK and Kondo in the ring together. You got to have really all you kind of want in this match. And it's just completely satisfying.
0: Yeah, I ended up going four stars on this because it was it was that word that keeps coming up. It was satisfying. The Doi and Yoshino stuff at the start of the match, the Dragon Kid Yoshino stuff as things progressed, like you mentioned, Shuji Kondo and Dragon Kid. It all felt great. There was that sneaky chemistry. Mike, I don't know if you picked up on this as well. Yamato and Toro Awashi. Yes, I thought had how? On, uh, King of Gate 2022 fucking booked that match in the main event of Cork and Hall. I <laughs> thought those two... Look, this was a great weekend for Awashi because I thought he was great mm-hmm. in the Triangle Gate match the next night, too. And I have never, I have never been an Awashi fan. I I, I am actively turned off by times where he's pushed in Toriyama Dragon Gate. But I thought he was great this weekend. And he and Yamato had unbelievably great chemistry. This match was so much fun. Whereas the next night is, uh, you know, a dramatic, epic, uh, just steeped with emotion. This was Mm -hmm. just a fun match, man.
2: This was so much fun to watch. You you know, it's something in this match that I would really hope would happen, but I don't see it happening just because of how things are. I love the fact that we got some, a hold to hold between Ultimo and uh, Yoshino leading into like that, going for the Lob Monstral and Yoshino rolling through, going like, I know my way out of this and immediately getting him the Sol Naciente. Just incredible stuff. Like this is the... The kind of stuff that when people like talk about, oh, so and so is a good YAVE, oh, so and so doesn't know YAVE. That was awesome in this match.
0: Yeah, there. I, I've been really, and we've talked about this a few different times on this show, and I know we've talked about it in private as well. Of just, I, I think so much differently of Ultimo now that he's settled into this role in Dragon Gate, where for so many years, I feel like he was almost unfairly asked to be the same Ultimo that he was in 1997 but to do it in in 2007 or 2015 in All Japan or wherever else he was wrestling and he just it, it never seemed like he was able to adapt once some of his physical capabilities were taken away but you look at him here and he stays in his lane and he works in his comfort zone and he does stuff like that with Yoshino every once in a while and you are reminded that this guy you know, I'm not breaking any news by saying Ultimo Dragon was really good, but sometimes you see and you just go, God, like this, he still, he still kind of has it in a way. He still has that once in a generation charisma that can kind of bleed into his skill. And it's so, so impressive seeing what this guy can do. You're right, that that whole sequence of the La stroll and of the Sol Naciente, and for a while it looked like Ultimo was going to tap, that is a sequence that is going to stick with me for a very, very long time.
2: Just really, really awesome stuff. The semi-main event was for the Open the Twin Gate titles. It was the RED team and a bunch of fucking killers, Kaido Ishida and Kazu Sakamoto, failing in their first defense against a Natural Vibes team, Susumi Yokosuka and King Shimizu. When King Shimizu won with the King Press in 13 minutes and 26 seconds, I'm just glad that it's now renamed the King Press and I don't butcher like the Utavabi. Like I'm glad that it changed like this, and what I thought was the second best match of the night, I thought this was outstanding.
0: I talked last week about how there has been a real lack of cohesive Twin Gate teams. I feel like this division for the past few years has either been bogged down by the triangle of Yamato, Kai, and BB Hulk in some former or fashion, or. Just teams that are thrown together. And even Ashida and Sakamoto, for as talented as both of those guys are, they are ultimately a team that was thrown together. Shimizu and Susumu as a team have me so excited, and I'm so glad that they ran the table this weekend and cleaned up in this twin gate division. I want all comers to come at these guys and I want them to beat everybody. I am so in on Shimizu and Susumu as a team. Mike, what kind of impression did they make on you?
2: Oh, they had a special sauce. Like, immediately, I was like, oh, no wonder these two guys are great. Uh, King Shimizu, great tag team wrestler but with his teams, with, uh, with Big Ben and Big T, just awesome guy in these kind of contexts here. And then Susumu Yokosuka, one of the better tag team wrestlers of all time. And they came one together. Of the
0: better wrestlers. Let me stop you there. One of the better wrestlers of all time. It's that's as simple fair. as that.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That You're entirely right there. And they just completely went from it. I mean, the fact that like Shimizu flying like he is now is just one of those things where I'm like, all right, Shimizu, now you're just going to be doing an apron topa con hello, people. That's sick. All right, let's do this here. And just like the amount of fun that this is and the pop up Jumbo Nokachi case, like just beautiful stuff here and this was the first match on the show that felt like over delivered here like i thought that this was just exceptional stuff i am bummed that my bunch of fucking killers lost but kings susumu this is a team that like i want them to go through every one in a while just imagine them uh, in a future child defense like i i i feel like I'm, i just did a spoiler right there but come on guys at this point if you're listening to this and not what going back and watch the show stop the show and watch a good dragon gate network come on it's the best week in dragon gate history but i want to see them against mochi fuji case i want to see these two against uh well i want to see them against Bensky. i want to see these two guys like somehow ut and kamei i have to like deal with the big guys in the unit i want to see that as well i love this tag team and i'm so stoked to see that the twin gates landed on them this week Mike, I want you to start your engine for a second. I do
0: have to take a victory lap here because uh,
2: do, 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 i i I have just gassed it up i i I can let Aaron know this. Do you want to get on the take copter? <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, give me the take
2: <laughs> I look,
0: I was right about Shimizu, okay. I told everybody he was one shot put slam away from being back in contention. He got too sleazy and r e d They had to do a hard character reset with them but i knew that comedy character whether it be boku r shimizu uh, shimizu or Bukultimo dragon those were going to be positives in the long run this was a rare instance where you really needed to tear a guy down to bring him back up and this king shimizu character he comes across like a killer i don't know how it could be interpreted any other way he has been put in serious positions and has delivered serious results since joining natural vibes i think he's a giant plus for the unit and he has been killing it ever since right now look he's a twin gate champion i hope he's a twin gate champion for a very long time but would you be stunned if at the very least we're having a conversation about shimizu possibly challenging for the Dreamgate belt by the end of this year because it wouldn't surprise me do i think it'll happen no but we could certainly be talking about it at some point and it wouldn't seem out of the realm of possibility
2: and it would be really fun to see 2021 uh, great reset yamato versus king shimizu to be honest <laughs> Sh-
0: shimizu's best match ever was against yamato and king of gate 2016 so yes. i i fu- i fully support those two doing that again i think that would be a a much much needed rematch and we'll talk more about yamato's reign and the possibilities there when we get to it but yeah this was a giant home run this is essential viewing four and a half stars for me one of the best matches of the weekend i i, I only have good things to say about it i, th- I shimizu and Susumu as a team I'm I'm so excited about what they could possibly do. Now, they could lose the belts at Dangerous Gate and whatever, I'll move on with my life, but I really, really want these guys to have a long and prosperous Twin Gate run.
2: Isn't that kind of the story of the Twin Gate division over the last, like, five years? We get really, really excited about a team, thinking maybe they can stick around for a long time and they immediately drop the belts.
0: Yeah, it... it- it sucks. It, it, it does, because as I've talked about at length, you know, this is this is my favorite style of wrestling. A good twin gate match to me is about as good as it gets. And I, I, I don't know. It, it seems like ever since that Shima Dragon Kid run, the belts have just bounced around. And, and part of that, I guess part of my gripe is that I, I wasn't into the Kai and Yamato run. I wasn't into the Hulk and Yamato run. I wasn't into the Hulk and Kai run. And those were obviously that's what's dominated the division for almost three years now, with you know little little grasps of, of hope in between, whether it be Lee and Minora or Mochizuki and Yoshida or Shimizu and Ata at one point. You know, I like those teams, but it was largely dominated by this rotating cast of Yamato, Hulk, and Kai. And I was just not a fan of that in this division ever since Mochizuki and Yoshida won the belts. It feels fresh. It feels like they're going in a new direction, and I would really like a a new sense of focus put on these belts as we head into the last half of the year and into 2022 because the roster is loaded, and now is the time to make fresh tag teams. Now is the time to really dip into the well and get creative with your combinations. I, I think they have a great start with Shimizu and Sumu. I think they had a great start here this entire weekend with Ben K and dragon kid and Ashita and Sakamoto. This was a thumbs up weekend of the twin gate division for me. I hope they continue their momentum going forward.
2: Absolutely. And that brings us to the main event in the hobby.
1: It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for ten percent off your first purchase on Arena Club, and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: It was for the Open the Dream Gate Championship. It was the reigning champion, Shun Skywalker versus the King of Gate twenty twenty one KZ. It was not KZ time as Shun Skywalker defeated KZ in 24 minutes and 33 seconds with the SSW and a lot of ways to kind of get into this match case like first off a uh, incredible match just fantastic stuff. I went 4 and 3 quarters on this. It is one of the uh, special matches really of the year if you ask me. But just kind of an interesting kind of like heat check really on KZ at this point where was looking like it was going to be his big coronation, Change plans, and he he loses at the biggest stage in Dragon Gate at Kobe World. That is his fifth failed challenge, and it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. So a lot of different ways to go here, I feel like, about the main event for Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival 2021.
0: I want to save my thoughts for Skywalker for the Yamato match, but I'll briefly talk about KZ here. Because I think this answers a lot of questions for us as it stands without any sort of radical character change, which I do think is possible both as a baby face and as a heel. This is KZ's ceiling, and until there's a change, this is who he is. He's an 0 5 Dreamgate guy, he's this generation's BB Hulk, and that's okay because I think he's unbelievable in this role. This is, my, this is my number two match of the year in all of wrestling at this point. And honestly, it might be my number one. The only thing that I think is close is the Shingo Tanahashi match from January of this year. That's the only thing to me in the universe of this match. I think this was, at worst, the second best match in wrestling this year. And there's a pretty lengthy gap of one and two to whatever my third match of the year is. KZ was excellent here. He rose to the occasion. There's no question in my mind, that he has the talent to one day lead this promotion, but as a character, as a performer, as someone that could be representing Drangate, there needs to be a change. It's the one thing missing. It's not a talent question with him. It's not a talent question, but I think Drangate made the right move in the entire Dreamgate scene this weekend. I came in with a lot of opinions about what I thought was going to happen, what I thought should happen, to me the most interesting option was KZ running the table and beating both Skywalker and Yamato. But you see the way things played out, you see the word again, the satisfaction level by the end of this weekend and I can't begrudge Dreamgate for what they did. It makes sense. It makes sense that this weekend ended with Yamato with his record setting fifth Dreamgate run. I don't know if KZ versus Yamato would have delivered the same way that Skywalker versus Yamato did. And I don't know if KZ holding the belt at the end of Speedstar final would have had the same impact that it had with Yamato holding the belt. It's a tough weekend for KZ. It's a tough weekend for KZ fans. I wanted him to win. I wanted him to ha- have a clean sweep this weekend. But I ultimately think Dragon made the right
2: choice here. Yeah. Um, case, you know as well as anyone. I'm an Akira Tozawa fan. So I am used to getting my chain yanked a lot with Dragon Gate at Kobe World with Akira Tozawa. So I came away with this, like thinking, like, yeah, the character changed, some sort of refocus, some sort of new KZ is probably going to be the thing that gets more over the hump. He'll get a tile run. Like, I'm not, I don't think that's not going to happen. But it's just one of those things that, like, after like walking away with this match and walking away with the weekend, I was like, yeah, no. KZ, it, you check the box there. I mean, he now has challenge at Kobe World. That's another thing that like when the next time he gets a key, God, it's going to get really just <laughs> absurd with like the KZ time calls. But I mean, it's just further momentum for that in my mind. And it just, there is something missing, at least in the company's mind. There's something missing in my mind. Like I thought he was going to win originally, but case. How long ago have I said, oh yeah, Yamato's walking out of Kobe World Kennen Hall uh, Dreamgate Chain? Because I feel like, like that was something that was almost predestined in a way here. And it's just a shame that, you know, KZ, he will be King of Gate. That's something you can't take away from him. He will have that Kobe World main event. It's just not the, not the time, not the guy, not the situation in my mind. No, that's
0: the thing. This is what was expected. Yamato to beat Shun Skywalker and end the weekend as champion the way they got to it incredibly complicated and, in a way frustrating because again Minora got shut out of this and I do feel like that was a disservice to coach Minora but at the end of the at the end of the day Yamato beat Skywalker that's what we thought was going to happen all year and that's what happened and it was an incredibly satisfying result so I, I can't begrudge them for not having a KZ time I get it I think there needs to be a change for him to win that title.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's something where like having these matches now, where I do think like the idea of he was who was hanging on at this by like the uh, ends of his nails during the Mochizuki match, he gave Pack a good fight, and then he uh, was close of Nurukeytoy, and then he kind of got screwed out against Aita. This was the one where it just was that he didn't out survive someone who up to this point has been virtually unbeatable unless you were a motto and this
0: was, this thought, was a brutal match this was at, yes in a it, for a belt that has been held by mochizuki and by fuji and by shingo this is as brutal of a dreamgate match as i have ever seen you obviously have the monkey flip spot which you know my goal on these Gate shows these big time Gate shows is i know they're not going to be twitter's main character for the day in our bubble there's just too much happening and drangate is not important enough to win the entire day but i always love when drangate is able to win an afternoon and people on reddit are talking about it and people are on twitter are talking about it and i thought that monkey flip spot was going to give drangate the afternoon to dominate the discussion and then bray wyatt got released and we had to deal with fucking fiend discourse for the entire afternoon. So Dragon Gate got nothing out of that monkey flip spot in our bubble, which is a real bummer because this match, like I said, it's as physical of a Dreamgate match as I've ever seen. It was absolutely brutal what they were doing to each other. And I highlighted this in my review, and I want to be sure to mention it here, that this house style change that I've been screaming about since the rookie ranking tournament of 2019, which, by the way, Shun Skywalker won, this shifting house style where it is no longer your father's Dragon Gate. And it is such, a, such an amazing happenstance that this happens on the weekend where Masato Yoshino is retiring. Yoshino, for so long, the easily identifiable character with Dragon Gate. This guy is fast. This guy jumps off the top rope. This guy does wacky submissions. This is what Dragon Gate is. Shun Skywalker versus KZ was not built on technique. This match was built on brutality. And there is no better representation of the way that this style has shifted and morphed over the past few years than this match. These guys had no in-ring similarities to what was going on with Yoshino and with Ultimo. They were wrestling an entirely different style. Now, to me, it's as equally of an entertaining of a style. I'm not mad about this shift, but I know there are people that have not really been able to keep up with this. This is not what they want from Dragon Gate. And I think that's too bad because I thought this was wildly, wildly entertaining. There were so many great spots in this match. It was my match of the weekend. It might be my match of the year. I, I, I have nothing but roses to throw at these guys. I, I, I Once again, I just thought this was a giant win for everybody involved.
2: Absolutely. And you could say that Shin Skywalker has run from Kobe World to Kobe World as Open Dream Dreamgate champion. Just like one of those like little nerdy things that I kinda like in a way. And it just was something that like it it, it is something where these two guys in a way are built to have these kind of matches. Like and I think this is like an issue with like Okuda that we were talking about at the Bravegate. Like, yeah, uh KZ is the guy you want to go up against if you're shooting Skywalker and you know like I'm full octane, pedal to the floor, we're gonna gun it here. KZ's like, hell yeah, man can I just make sure I, I punch you a bunch in the face and they just c- came together and had magic here. And it's something that I'm going to be so stoked whenever, and a king of gate, whenever like a special singles match happens again, because now we've seen it twice in this building that these two guys don't miss and excellent uh, Kobe world main event. And actually that's a question I wanted to leave Kobe world with with you case. Where does this rank as an all time Kobe world main event? Because I think it's up there.
0: Yeah, to me, the competition, all matches that I also have at four and three quarters, the 2002 main event, if you want to go back to Toriumon, the nine man UWA World Trios match, 2011 BB Hulk versus Misaki Mochizuki, and 2016 Shingo versus Yamato. I have all those matches at four and three quarters, and I think this match is on that level.
2: You know, that that's where probably I put it as well. Probably, I love Chinko versus Yamato. Like, that might be my favorite Kobe world main event. It's right up there, though. So I was interested to see where you had it in context of everything else. Uh, any big uh, other Kobe—oh, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you
0: one more question about this match. Uh, sure. Did, did, you watch, did you watch this unspoiled, this match?
2: I watched everything this weekend unspoiled. I made sure—I I took Pudge out for a good long walk. Because I knew, I was like, Daddy needs to get some get some work done. And I had my phone off the entire time while walking Pudge. I was completely unspoiled with everything this weekend. It was glorious. Just turn at off your phones, point, everyone.
0: That good advice, just in general, turn off your phones. Uh, at any point in this match, did you feel like KZ was going to win?
2: Uh, the BT bomb into the CDJ. I bought into that, but I... I did not think KZ was going to ever win this match now.
0: Yeah, the only time that I felt something regarding a KZ near fall was when he, he he countered something that Shun did and got him in the Cobra Twist. It was a pretty lengthy submission hold. But as Shun was locked into that hold, I remember feeling like I'm going to be disappointed if this guy taps out right here, but both from a match quality perspective because I thought the match had more to go, and it did, and just from the idea that You know, it's not like KZ was bad in this match, but something that that I want to talk about with the Yamato match, and maybe if you want, we can transition into the Yamato match from here, I kind of just thought Shun outclassed KZ, and in a way, despite losing to Yamato, I thought he outclassed Yamato, to me, the winner of this weekend, by leaps and bounds, is Shun Skywalker, and the booking decision of having KZ lose specifically here, I felt was like was justified because I never really felt like KZ was going to win. And the one spot where I, I felt like he had a shot, I was left uneasy about it. So I certainly can't complain about, you know, not pulling the trigger with him because I ultimately mm-hmm. think it was the right move.
2: Yeah. Uh, this, the MVP of the weekend is, uh, Shun Skywalker by acclamation. If you're someone that thinks like, Hey, uh, really dug the work that dragon died to this weekend not going to take that for you but the but back to back less than 24 hours the weekend he had here and it was interesting because i like the story that they told in the Yamato match a little bit more honestly but just like the idea of and i think that's something like just transitioning into uh speedstar final talk was on 8 1 we'll be up on the network until 8 8 up I think that, like, my big thing about the differences in the match is that Yamato had the one trick to pull out of his pocket, the Ragnarok, which he already beat him with. And it's something that I think is going to have, like, such a nice story between these two throughout the next few years of can Shun Skywalker find a way out of the Ragnarok and then Yamato kicks out the SSW. I felt like that that was kind of a little bit more of a complete story, to be honest. But yeah, no, Shun Skywalker is the man of the weekend. It's something that, the fact that it took Yamato after that match to come in and beat him and still having to pull out the Ragnarok, I think he comes out looking smelling like roses.
0: Shun Skywalker is ultimately a victim of our 24-hour news cycle right now. And even this show is guilty of it with how reactionary we are and how we get to see everything and how we're watching everything in real time. I think this period of his career this first five years of shun skywalker's career when you are able to take a step back and examine it and we can only do it to, to to such an extent right now i think it's it's a time period in a run that is only going to become more impressive as time goes on when you look at him from his debut match to losing the Dreamgate belt to Yamato, it is a five-year run where everything was handled with such care There was clear progression, and by the end of it, Shun Skywalker came out of this match looking like a fucking adult, and I think that's so impressive, given when this guy put on the mask, when this character debuted, and he had that green and orange gear, and no one knew if they should take him seriously or not. He was, you know, by some people I remember, compared to like, oh, he's going to be like a Michinoku pro guy where he'll be a fun mid carter and he'll be good in six man tags. And that's kind of, that's kind of what he'll be. And we thought for a while, maybe he'll be a great brave gate champion and a twin gate guy. And he'll do all of these things and you know, he'll have a nice little career and that'll be the end of that. I don't think anybody, and I've been as high on him as as anybody that I'm aware of, but I certainly did not predict dream gate champion in the first five years of his career let alone what I want to go on record and state as, was a highly successful Dreamgate run. Because yes, he had the Ben K match, and yes, he had the Hip Hop Kakuta match, and that sucked. But he also had the KZ match, the Yamato match, the Kaito Ishida match, and the Cosmo Sakamoto match. If you look at my match of the year list right now, Shun Skywalker has four out of my top five matches of the year in Dragon Gate, and even better, he has five out of the top six. This is a guy that we need to be considering for Most Outstanding Wrestler this year, and a guy that, quite frankly, should at least be in the discussion for Flair Fez. He shouldn't win it. I think there are guys in AEW that have a much stronger candidacy than he does, but when it comes to Most Outstanding it's really hard to look past Shun Skywalker right now, especially if, you, if you're if you people like me and Mike who are watching your Kobe Sambo Hall shows and your Fukuoka Double Shots, your Kyoto KBS Hall shows, where Shun Skywalker has been murdering it in multi-man matches. This run from 2016 to 2021 is such an impressive piece of booking and elevation and development from Shun Skywalker and from Dragon Gate, where again, like I said, you saw this guy with this horrible costume. No one knew what to do with him. And over time, the costume got better, and his work got better. And he spent an entire year, Mike, I'm sure you remember this, an entire year, Cork and Hall shows and big pay-per-views, he was in the opening match of pretty much every single show. And what would he do? He would kind of hide in the background, he would pick his spots, and at some point in the match, he would do his rope walk moonsault to everybody in the match, and it would get over huge. Do you remember this era of his career, Mike?
2: Oh, yeah, because each rope rock, I was like, oh, God, oh, God oh
0: god <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing like it, it's amazing that that you know obviously there's the ben k incident which was you know i i don't i i don't think that happens if you run that spot a, another million times but there was definitely a point of skywalker's career where we were like god this guy's kind of dangerous like he's either gonna hurt himself or hurt somebody else because he, he didn't exactly have the body control that he has now and even in the kz match you saw him do the the, the moonsault knee drop, and he just, oh my god, he crushed Casey's throat. It was so gnarly what he did. It was unbelievable. But he goes through that phase. where opening match. He's the focus of it. Every single time the spotlight is put on Skywalker. And then he ups his game. He goes to all Japan with Mochizuki. He wrestles in that junior tag league. And Mochizuki and Skywalker are far and away the best part of that tournament. That was a fun tournament. A lot of fun teams, a lot of good wrestlers. Skywalker and Mochizuki crushed it, and they come back. Dangerous Gate 2018, one of my favorite Twin Gate matches of all time. It's Yamato and Kai against Mochizuki and Skywalker, and that was the first time where I remember going like, oh, shit. Sh- Shun Skywalker could be something because he hung in there with Yamato, nearly killed himself multiple times in this match, but by the end of it, I, I had a whole new feeling of Skywalker. Of like, oh, this... This could be something like he looked really credible in there against Yamato. And then we saw him throughout 2019. He went on that insane run with the KZ match and then the losing streak that led to him going to Mexico. And, you know, I have no doubt that had there not been a pandemic, he would have crushed it in Mexico and crushed it in America before coming back to Japan and doing what he did here. I don't want to hear any more talk about how cursed this Dreamgate run was. I don't want to hear any talk about how it was disappointing in any way. The hip-hop Kakuta match sucked, and it was nobody's fault. It was a freak accident. The Ben K match was great up until the last 30 seconds. and It was a freak accident. What he did in between those, match of the year contender, match of the year contender, match of the year contender, match of the year contender. This guy was unfucking believable as the Dreamgate champion, and I feel like we let a narrative go a little bit out of control. We didn't control this narrative very well. Because you had the Sakamoto match, and the Ishida match, and then KZ, and then Yamato here, plus what he did against Yamato and King of Gate. This guy's unbelievable. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now, and he's 25 years old. He's unbelievable, Mike. I was blown away with Shun Skywalker this weekend.
2: And I guess, like, talking about the narrative, the only thing I would add in here is, I think when you have two four and 4-3 quarter-star matches in less than 24 hours as your last thing as champion... I think that's going to have people reassess things, at least people who are of rational mind and body, I would say. And it's something that having him come in after the Ada reign that, I mean, was just, we talked about earlier, and about the Naruki Doi reign, that was great, but just, you know, I mean, he was champion going into lockdown and then coming out of lockdown, everything was weird until they got the belt on Ada. Like, this is such a strong title reign. None of the matches that actually were matches... I had lower than four and a half stars. Like, this guy, like, taking out the last three seconds of the Ben K match, as you said, and taking out a freak injury that happened in, right after the opening tie-up in Dead or Alive, I, I think you give this full marks A-plus across the board. It's just a shame that the way that wrestling operates now that people aren't going to be considering him for most outstanding. They aren't going to be saying, well, he belongs in the conversation for Flair Thez, because I we will we'll talk about this in a little bit. I did a little exercise this afternoon case, and I was astounded by the year that Shin Skywalker has had just through August one. It is one of these years that I feel like that we should cherish because this is a guy that he only wrestled for 34 minutes on the weekend. Uh, which is insane when you consider the fact that Masato Yoshino almost wrestled for an hour (laughs) his last weekend (laughs) of wrestling. But I feel like that whatever narrative was written before this championship match, I know I wrote a championship preview talking a little bit about how important it is for him to, uh, how interesting, how important it would have been if he went two for a 2-0. It's fine that he went one and one It's fine he lost the Dreamgate title because when you have matches like this, when you have a run put together like this and now you can take a step back and be like okay maybe we get to see a Shun Skywalker Codyman or a twin gate team now now he gets a, now we get to see some variety and, and and his like match output because he was always tied up at the dream gate you couldn't have him go do certain things on big shows because he's going to be headlining he's going to be in the he's going to be the dream gate match or he's going to be doing the dream gate match for the cage match now we have so many more options to see where things go for him here and I'm actually kind of excited because last week I, I laid out why I thought that Shin Skywalker should retain this weekend. Now we get this different path now, and I'm just as intrigued as I would have been if he still had those like proposed matches against Naruki Doi, Masaki Mochizuki, all the names I listed last week. Now we get to see some like real variety here. Like now we get to see. It. Maybe him doing like the four on being in the four way, ma- not the four way, the uh, four on four masquerade versus Red matches, where you kind of do a little bit more now that you don't have to protect him as much, and I think it's gonna be really fascinating, uh, end of summer, fall, and winter for Shun Skywalker in twenty twenty one.
0: It's such a great point, Mike, and it's the, it's the one thing that I wanted to say before we moved on here was, you know, you immediately scoped out an issue with masquerade when they were formed. You looked at this lineup, you said, die, doesn't talk." Australia doesn't talk. Jason Lee doesn't speak the language. Menorah, we don't recognize as a great promo. And Shun Skywalker is a notoriously bad promo. And you really scoped that out as being the biggest issue that this unit was going to face. And so I was very cautious analyzing and arguably anointing Skywalker as a main event level star during this run. But the one thing that I do think Joe Lanza of the Voice of Wrestling flagship has been on the money about, as he's talked about Dragon Gate this year, is that when Skywalker is in the ring, he carries himself like a main eventer. He carries himself like a star. He carries himself like a Doi or a Yamato or dare I say, and I know this is a lofty thing to say this weekend of all weekends, but like a Yoshino, when Shun Skywalker is defending the Open the Dreamgate championship, I feel like he belongs here in that scene. And like you said, we're not going to enter a really interesting part of his career where this first Dreamgate run, him being 25 years old, 26 years old, it was defined by him trying to keep his head above water, trying to prove that he was on the same level as all of those other guys. You bump him down a notch on that card. You put him in these less uh, uh, impactful, less hype positions. All of a sudden, he's become a big fish in a small pond. Now, I imagine him working against your Uts and your Kames and your Susumu's and whoever else with a with a new aura of confidence to him. I think he is going to crush it in a more minimalized role, if there is a minimalized role for him in the future. And then I think when he goes back into that main event and when he challenges for the title once again, he is going to look like an undoubted credible contender. For the Dreamgate belt. I- I'm so excited to see what the future holds for him. I love this reign and more power to him.
2: Absolutely. So, with the rest of Speed Star, I'm going to. I have my written review up here. I want to get your takes, though, on these matches, at least in the undercard. We'll, we'll break down more in depth the uh, matches of uh, that warrant it. Uh, opener R.E.D. Kaido Ishida, S.B. Kento, Die, Inferno, defeat KZ, KSK Akuda and Kota Minora, SB Kento submitted Okuda with the SB Shooter to win here. Interesting kind of consolation match there, Case. What were your thoughts on it?
0: The babyface team here, Minora, Okuda, Casey, what a crazy combination of guys. That was the one thing that we talked about kind of in between watching these shows and and talking about these shows now is when that card was announced, I was like, look at that opener. That's... It makes sense that they're in this match, but my God, what a crazy collection of talent to team up here against R.E.D. Thought it was a really fun opening match. SB Kento looked terrific. Glad he scored the fall here against Akuda. Makes sense given the booking that came later on in the show. Really fun opener. Three and a quarter stars for me.
2: Yeah, I I liked how they built up the two nights. And I was like, all right, KZ had damage so like getting the, the box lid broken on him actually like had repercussions without the match there uh, next was the clean pa battle royal clean pa our toilet cleaning wipes brought to us by the luck corporation uh ut1 other people in this match super shisa kenichi orai hoho loon takashi yoshida konamao chikawa yazushi kanda gamma sachi Boy and problem dragon
0: there were multiple match of the year contenders this weekend. A big banner weekend for Dragon where they really got to showcase how good their in ring is as a promotion. And yet, I feel like this battle royal is easily the most must watch match of the weekend.
2: I mean, it was. I I'm happy that they brought the Kobe, the, the Royal Sanbo to uh, Kenan Hall. That was really neat, but. The match wasn't really the story of the weekend. The the, the real storyline coming out of the weekend, the biggest storyline coming out of the biggest weekend in Dragon System history, was Hoho Loon and his obsession uh, with having <laughs> a clean toilet. So,
0: Ho-Ho's in this match. First of all, I want to point out, had a great sequence with Ut. looked really uh, looked really good in the ring with Ut. I would like to see those two have an opening match single match at some point. Thought they had a fun fun little fun little section there ho-ho gets eliminated my favorite spot in wrestling is ho-ho losing a battle royal and then joining the announce table as the match is still going on he comes uh, rolling into the the commentary position out of breath huffing and puffing into his microphone <laughs> and then proceeds to throw out some of the greatest one-liners i have ever heard i loved when takashi yoshida hit ut with a wheelbarrow suplex and a ho said well if i could do that i would have won uh, I loved after UT1 when Ho-Ho said, you'll have to rent another apartment to fit all of this toilet supplies. And then Jay, after plugging the Amazon <laughs> Japan link, Ho-Ho goes, it should be
2: an international brand, I tell you. Um, <laughs> he, he loves having a clean bathroom. You know what? I respect it. You, like, it, it, It's something that you may be seeing a paramour, and you go in their bathroom, and you see like hair everywhere you see a dirty bathroom and you you know that that kind of kills it you know that if you're going to ho ho loon's house you are going to have a pleasant bathroom experience no unpleasantries happening there my favorite part about this though was how he wanted to challenge ut immediately and try to get up from the broadcast (laughs) position and anthony w maury apparently just gave him a devil look and he sat back down
0: it was uh, so incredibly characteristic of Jay, who seems like a guy who really knows his place and doesn't want to overstep. Where Ho Ho goes, Can I, you know, can I go in the ring and challenge him right now? And Jay's like, mm, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> and then Maury puts a stop to it. Oh my God. This. This was so much fun, and I oh god, go go watch this if you haven't seen it. If for some reason, you skipped this. Go back and watch this immediately.
2: It's less than five minutes. It is less than five minutes, and it's maybe the funniest thing that I think I've seen in wrestling TV in, in eons. I feel like just cracked me up. Like it's something that after we're done recording, case I'll go back and rewatch this just because it cracked <laughs> me up that much.
0: He was he was so eager. About those toilet cleaning Sincer. supplies. He's so sincere. It, just just genuine. As, as much energy and heart as I used to put into the Manscaped ads, Ho-Ho-Loon was doing the the innocent version of that with toilet cleaning supplies. <laughs> it was
2: such a beautiful thing to say. It ruled. It owned. Uh, match three was RED versus the team of Ultimo Dragon, Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, and Ryo Saito. The RED team was... Kai, Kazma Sakamoto, Diamante, and Hio. Diamante got the win on Ultimo after a mask rip and a lariat in six minutes and one seconds. Those who listened last week brought up that Jay, Jay brought up like, oh, we might be seeing that in the future here. that They have some unsettled business. And brother, there's one way to further unsettle your business than unmasking Ultimo Dragon on a retirement show.
0: Ultimo saw this vaccine roll out and he's going, you know what? I bet by March of next year, Arena Mexico is going to be open and I got to sell some tickets to Dragon Mania, baby. What a worker Ultimo Dragon is shooting an angle for what I'm sure will be paid off on a Toriumon Mexico show between Ultimo and Diamante. I thought this was this was really entertaining as well. I like this R.E.D. trio. I like that uh, Hyo, who, you know, when he debuted, it, Mike at one point, and I don't begrudge him for this because I I co-signed the take. Hyo reminded us of um, like Michinoku pro Arashima and just how springy and bouncy and charismatic he was. And at one point in this match, Hyo kind of fronted that Crazy Max pyramid that they used to do, uh, doing it on, uh, I, I forget who he did it on in this match, but they they kind of stole that Crazy Max spot that I, that I really liked. And then Diamante and Ultimo had some fun, ripped some masks, very, very entertaining undercard match.
2: Yo, Ramley did a little jig in the middle of this match. Just, <laughs> just cut a it rug. It's it
0: so—I've ni- said this before, but it's so nice that he has found his position on the card for so long. Yeah, he was just kind of wandering aimlessly, and now you look at him, and he's in a role where he can just kill it. And I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm thrilled for him because I think he's excellent as this low-card, beatable but somehow credible heel.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And then from there, we got into our title part of the night. Open the Bravegate Championship. Kagatora defeats Ginky Horiguchi in his first offense. Kagatora is the 41st Open the Bravegate Champion, second Bravegate reign. And he did it with what they call it, the Bitten Household, but was a star, was the first time ever I've seen Kagatora hit a Stardust Press in seven minutes and 23 seconds.
0: So speaking of Manscaped ads, Mike. Um... This was Saturday night into Sunday morning when this show took place, and I was out with my with my lady friend at a Lollapalooza after show. We were actually, we were with uh, Rich Craich and the nurse hanging out together, and my lady friend came back to my apartment, and she uh she said hey case you know I, I know you've got some matches you need to watch she's been asking me lately she's like how have the matches been which i really like it's like she's like a world of sport fan all of a sudden um that's what my mom think says <laughs> yeah yeah I, it's I. it's cute the way she phrased it like oh were the matches good last night it's like yeah the, the matches the matches were pretty good um <laughs> she tells me she's like hey man i'm tired i've been at a music festival all day i just want to hang out here for a little bit feel free to flip open that laptop watch some matches so we watched the Bravegate match and the Triangle Gate match together. And she buried the shit out of this Bravegate match. Now I don't think she she has never seen <laughs> pro wrestling before. She doesn't she didn't okay. totally she didn't totally understand what was happening, but she didn't like Genki Horaguchi's hair extensions. And throughout this match in particular she kept on going, oh, that looks fake. Oh, this is phony. Oh, uh, this this doesn't look any good. It's like, what, am I dating Phil Schneider all of a sudden? Like, what, do I need to turn on a Negro Navarro match? What is she looking for? Because I thought the work in this Horaguchi kagatora match was pretty snug, even if, once again, it was a genki Horaguchi match that was just kind of okay. I I, I think I need to sell whatever remaining genki Horaguchi singles match stock I have. I think we're done with this part of his career. I think Kagatora is obviously someone that we we owe an apology to. We wanted him out of the company at one point earlier this year. Now he's become an incredibly entertaining member of High End and a Brave Gate champion. I think that is a great success story. He's really turned it around this year. Unfortunately, not a great match, once again, in the three-star range.
2: I went three and a half on this. I thought that I really liked the idea that and, and this was kind of a trope of the night. Kagatora went for the girl went for the Ikatozen, and he kept on getting kicked out of by Ginky. So he decided, I have to do this. And this was after he tried to eliminate Ginky's arm for that, like the backslide from heaven. But as soon as that was proved to be false, he's like, I'm going to pull out the big guns. They didn't work. He tried out something new. It worked. I thought that was entirely satisfying. I didn't think this was an amazing match. I thought this was a. Very good three-and-a-half-star, seven-minute match.
0: So August 8th and Aichi, there's a Brave Gate match between Kagatora and SB Kento. What are the odds SB Kento wins the belt there?
2: This is billed as SB Kento's homecoming show, correct?
0: Yes, yes.
2: <sighs> Nagoya... I don't know why they still do tape Nagoya to begin with, because Nagoya had a great venue, but... Uh, I'm probably... 25 percent just because oh, okay
0: wow we're, okay we're on totally separate pages please uh please yeah. go ahead and give me your answer
2: so they don't tape nagoya which is like the big thing but that's never stopped them in the past is just they don't do very many tile changes off of camera nowadays they used to i mean they're their dreamgate matches we've never seen and uh i just don't like see that necessarily like flipping the title three times in less than, t- than 10 days. Even though SP Kento, huge star at 21, huge star in Nagoya. I just, if we see that there's a, dr- if this happens, then I expect there to be like one of those director's cuts immediately up on the network of this match.
0: That's the thing. They have now shown they, they have a track record, as we saw in King of Gate, of them immediately uploading big matches from shows that aren't going to be airing on TV. I think it's like 90-10 that SP Kento wins the Brave Gate belt. I don't think they're going to beat him in his hometown. I, I think it would be foolish to beat him in his first singles title challenge. I think Kagatoro was merely keeping this belt warm for SP Kento.
2: But at that point, why do you take the belt off of Horiguchi? Yeah, I, I
0: I don't think it matters. I, I think this could have been AKUDA and SP Kento would have beat him too.
2: Yeah, it's just like doing all the title switches and then having it be like, yeah, Kakatora is not gonna lose anything there, but what would really Akuda lose in Nagoya against SP Kento in his hometown and Ginky Horiguchi's Heflon? I mean, he loses all the time. He's still massively over, nothing changes. I just I feel like it might be something just to entice extra tickets, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, I it's... I mean, I, I think that's absolutely it. I just... I I think... I think it'd be foolish to beat SB Kento, even on a non-televised show like this. I think he's going to win the belt. I hope he wins the belt. No disrespect to Kagatora, but I find the SB Kento reign to be far more interesting.
2: No, that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. I just... Can't get my mind wrapped around them doing that big title, change. especially like his first singles title, too. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. It, 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 it's enough to raise my eyebrow. I'll say that much. Uh, as we move down, uh, do you have any other real thoughts on the Bravegate? No, the, the Bravegate stuff's the
0: one thing this weekend that did not connect with me at all, but ne- neither match really did anything for me. Whereas the other three title matches, the Yoshino stuff, even Minora, I, it was at least interesting. The Brave Gate stuff for me uh, just didn't resonate with me at all.
2: No, no. I feel like that it was kind of the lackluster side of the cards. Then we had the Open the Triangle Gate Championship. It was Masquerade defending against Agoniso, uh, da- Dragon Dia, Jason Lee, La Estrella, Brother Yashi, Suji Kondo, and Toru Washi. Dragon Daya did the Reptilian to win this match in 10 minutes and 30 seconds, to Shuji Kondo on his second match back from partial Achilles tear. So Masquerade is the group that runs the table. Well, actually, uh, uh, another group run the table as well. Natural Vibes did, but they were the only champions that walked into Kobe World Kenan Hall as champions and walked back out of it 48 hours as champion. I... I can't believe I, I when I was writing this review, I loved this match, case. Uh, hey, talk me off the ledge here. Am I crazy for going four and a quarter stars on this match? Because I thought this match, I thought this match was better than the uh, Triangle Gate match the night before, I, and I thought the Triangle Gate match the night before was a very good match. I thought that Agoniso looked awesome here. A, am I completely out to lunch here? I went four
0: stars, so you're not crazy. I, I liked the first Triangle Gate match, the Masquerade Red match more but I'm also really into those pairings. I really liked those units together. I really liked all six guys in that match. That being said, like you said, you know, I was really down on Aga and Isu coming in because I'm not a Yashi guy. I'm not an Awashi guy. And Kondo, we didn't know what his health was going to be. Now, I thought Kondo, what did you think of of Kondo's health, how, how he was moving around?
2: I thought that he looked pretty good. I, I I mean, all things considered, given his age, his size, and what happened, you know, I I would probably say, like, 90%. I feel like he was at 90% this weekend. How about you?
0: Yeah, no, if this is the output we get from him going forward, I'm totally okay with that because I I, I thought he held his own. I thought he played his role well, and as a result, we got this Aganisu trio that just totally over-delivered. I mean, I, I was... Uh, dreading is not the right word it's not that i was dreading this match but i really did not have high hopes for it and by the end of it after the dragon daishuji kondo stuff after brother yashi who i thought really stepped up to the plate and kind of kind of led the heel side of this in just a really impressive yeah. way kind of grabbed gr- grab the reins in a way that i've never really seen yashi do that before and then you had Toru Washi, who, like I said, I've never been a fan of. I've never liked him in a push position. And I thought Washi was awesome in this match as well. So, yeah, this this really over-delivered for me. I put it on the spreadsheet right at four stars, and you were even higher on it than I was.
2: Yeah, I, I guess it's something that over the weekend, I was never a huge Conbro fan. That is Brother Yashi and Shushi Kondo. But seeing them together in their offense, like Babylon and all of that, I'm like, all right obviously yashi is a busy man i mean many businesses many promotions but i would like i'm kind of interested in seeing what would happen i can't believe i'm saying this kind of want to see a bit more brother yashi around i want to see him tag teaming with suji kondo here and awashi had like the best time because he got to throw around two guys and even throw around jason a little bit like it was like hey hey toro go have fun out here like we're just gonna let you do what you want to do here and it just worked like it worked. This overachieved me and lost straight again. We were tough on him there uh, in May. I feel like it's something that w- you extra important to give him credit here. Looked awesome here. I thought his mask and the gear here I liked a lot better than the gear he had the night before. And I thought this was like an overwhelming success. And now this makes this Triangle gate team like just in one weekend give some stability to the usually the most turbulent titles in the company. And really, now we get to see like, all right, we've seen kind of the outsider team and we saw RED against them, but we all know that's not RED's top team here. I want to see like every unit just take a swing at these three guys because I feel like at this point they're hitting home runs here. And I just want to see what people can do with this group here because it's just, it's a very different Triangle Gate champion team. And we've seen them now in different contexts and they've succeeded. And I'm kind of interested to see like, what will happen next time when like the natural vibes team is KZ UT and um, Ginky Horiguchi. Like I'm interested by this. And I came away with this being really impressed by masquerade this weekend.
0: i want to pump the brakes on Yashi sticking around. This was like a beautiful one night stand. I got exactly what I needed out of brother Yashi and I'm good. I'm good. He can go back to whatever it is he's doing. He's a busy guy he probably doesn't have time for this schedule. Probably can't pop his head in the door anymore. I think that's okay. Let's stick with Kondo, and Awashi can go back to doing what he's doing. Sugawara is bathing in zero one one money right now, and Yashi's a bu- busy guy. Let's keep it that way. But you're exactly right about Masquerade. I think, you know... Any combination of Ben K, Akuda, and Dragon Kid, that could be a really interesting Triangle Gate match. Natural Vibes is wide open. Anybody could challenge there. Even another combination of RED guys, I think, would be very interesting. And then you have everyone who's unaffiliated. My guess is, given the cards that we have, we're going to be seeing Masquerade against the Strong Machines at some point, which isn't the most exciting match. Hopefully, Masquerade wins that. But, you know, it's if if they've got to do it, they got to do it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, I love this trio. I love their weekend. Jason Lee was spectacular here. La Astrea delivered and Dragon Daya, I-, I think is one of the most innovative flyers in the world. And he once again showed that this weekend.
2: And then we moved on to the Twingate match. This was Natural Vibes, Susumi Yokosuka, and King Shimizu defending against the high-end team of Dragon Kid and Benkei. Susumu Yokosuka got the win. Kobe World Cannon Hall against Dragon Kid. This shouldn't be too difficult here. It was the World Liner. And they made their first successful defense. And, you know, outside of the Dreamgate matches, take the Dreamgate matches out of the question. Shooting Skywalker had an incredible two days. This is my match of the weekend. And it just, I mean, you had four guys who have been doing these kind of matches now. I mean, Binke is the rookie in comparison there, but I mean he's five years in the business here against one of his big tag team partners and and Shimizu, susumu and Kid here. There's just no way for this to go wrong. And they just went all out here, Case. I went four and a half. I absolutely loved it.
0: Loved it. it just it, exactly what you said. It was a simple combination. Every guy knew what they had to do. And that's exactly what they did. I, I said everything I need to say about uh, Shimizu and susumu earlier. I think they're a special tag team. I hope they hold the belt for a very, very long time. And this match was terrific. I was at four and a quarter on this, a little bit lower than the night one tag, but still one that I was a huge fan of.
2: And I'm just going to repeat something I had in the written review case, just because I feel like need to say it for those in the back who aren't paying attention. Benke and Shimizu, this is, they're great. They got, they got put third from the top here. And they had an amazing match where everything was f- focused. Bin K did not take the fall here. Yes, Bin K was cycled down very considerably. But he got that Dream Gate shot at the end of 2020. And then things were a little touch and go about what happened at the end of, of Final Gate. So he came back and they were just kind of testing things out. Treading water until high end came together. Bin K has always been great. Shimizu. If Shimizu was not getting over as a comedy wrestler, case would they have put him back up as King Shimizu?
0: No, no, the, the comedy thing, like I said, it was a needed reset because we had seen him max out his potential as not only sleazy R.E.D. heel, but as Mohawk rocking Monster Express, Dial Hearts, Maximum Era babyface. We saw what that character was capable of, mm-hmm. and it wasn't Dreamgate champion. And then weirdly, he turned heel and somehow became even less credible. In, in I felt like was less over in R.E.D., and they did a complete character reset. They nailed the timing of it. They nailed this entire thing. I talked earlier about how impressive the five-year rise of Shun Skywalker has been. Well, the two-and-a-half-year story that they've told with Big R Shimizu here, now King, uh, King Shimizu, is just another monster, monster home run because I don't think most wrestling companies can rehabilitate a guy the way they did with Shimizu. I'm glad he's back in the fold. As for Ben I, I mean, I, I haven't worried about his position at all. This is just what happens yeah. in Gate. He's clearly an established guy. He's not going anywhere. He's exactly where he should be right now.
2: Yeah, and I would argue that the Shimizu we're seeing right now is the best uh, big R, Ryotsu, uh, Bukodomo we've ever seen. Like I came away with like this, like and I know I, in comparison to you, I'm a little bit more down on Shimizu. Not that I don't think he's an excellent wrestler. I just gave him four and a half stars and called it the best non the best match of the week and not involving Shun Skywalker. But I think that like the stuff that I, I saw out of him between Kobe World and Speedstar Final, I think all the changes and like the ability of this guy to just go like I I I know the monkey flip's gonna be remembered for a long time. We should also remember the blaster on the apron. But him doing a somersault off the apron and just Nuts. like...
0: Nuts. It just
2: overlooked.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I, I think we're seeing the best Big R Shimizu and I think even better is to come out of this. I think King Shimizu is going to be like the thing that uh, everyone's like, oh, he should be like Dreamgate Champion. You know, this, this is a gimmick that could be, big, that could be Dreamgate Champion. Uh, Kevin, Ross, a Kevin Nash cosplayer couldn't be champion. Uh, this, this might be it for him. Like, I feel like that this is the thing that he's going to be able to stick with for a while. And I'm really excited to see King Shimizu going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm locked in on this twin gate run. Like I said earlier, I'm really happy with this combination. I'm glad these guys are paired together and I'm glad that Shimizu was out there crushing it Uh, at, you know, 2016. I had him as my 10th best wrestler in the world that entire year. He's not going to be that high in 2021, but my God, by this time next year, he could once again be in that conversation.
2: Absolutely. And we talked about the Dreamgate match at the top of reviewing Speedstar final. Did you have any other takeaways before we get into the Yoshino retirement match? Or do you have anything else you want to add on to what you said before?
0: Uh, Just for the the sake of mentioning it, because I don't think I did. I went four and a half on Shun versus Yamato.
2: Okay. Fair, fair. I I, I can see that. Yeah, I've been seeing... Uh, Some, I, I've seen a couple of fives, but I've also seen like down to four stars. So I feel like that that's completely justified there. But then we got into the main event of the weekend. The biggest match, kind of, I would argue, in the world so far this summer. I'm sorry, Shingo Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. It was the Masato Yoshino retirement match with Masato Yoshino teaming with Naruki Doi one last time against his contemporary BB Hulk and the leader of the younger generation Ata after 32 minutes. 32 minutes. Ata pinned masato Yoshino after two imperial unos.
0: Yeah, this was everything it should have been. I mean, this really felt like an epic and probably this may be an odd comparison. Tell me if you agree here. This felt like it was the closest Dragon Gate could get to one of those Undertaker Shawn Michaels matches. Does
2: that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, 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 I get it because at a certain, like, extra event feeling that does not necessarily happen with uh, Dragon Gate matches.
0: Yeah, I was just, I was exhausted by the end of this and it's not because of all of the moves or all of the bumps or all of the spots or whatever. It was just because this was an emotionally taxing match and it should have been in this entire thing. Like I, I don't even, I don't know about you, Mike, I don't have a ton to say on, on the Masato Yoshino retirement ceremony because I, I talked so much about Yoshino last week and I feel like that was something that at least for me, it was more interesting in the buildup than in the, the overall execution and the fallout of it. But This match was exactly what it should have been in the same way that the night one Yoshino match was a really fun laid back affair where we talked about that great grappling sequence between Yoshino and Ultimo. This was a this was a war and it was not only a physical one, but an emotional one. And it fit the story of and Yoshino and it fit the story of Hulk and Yoshino and it fit the story of and Yoshino. And it was once again, to use that word to put a bow on this weekend. Incredibly satisfying.
2: Yeah, and the one thing that I'm going to hammer home, and I've said it on Twitter, i said it in my interview, but I'm going to say it in spoken word. Masato Yoshino could have played his greatest hits, and everyone would have been like, yeah, you know what? That's satisfying. No. He went out on something beautiful. He wanted to have an excellent match in his career that would, yes, have some of the greatest hits there. Yes, would play up 20 years' worth of history. But it also was something that just was like, it it was something that I I know we talked about both on the show and privately. It's like, is Masato Yoshino just going to, you know, play out the string and we're just not going to get classic Yoshino? He's just, it's something that like no fault of his own, you know, that his body could take so much and it took so much damage over the years. That like he's just going around and doing the thing where he's going to each town along the way, having one last match, being able to say goodbye to the local fans there. No, he went out and I hated that I had to star rate this thing because I know that people get mad and we don't put star ratings on a written review here, but it didn't serve a purpose. But he went out and had a four and a half star match in his final match's career. And it's incredible. And just like a half hour of effort, just amazing stuff there we got the doi uh turncoat tease we got an orihara moonsault where he was so like locked on that he that he almost like skipped over everyone's shoulders and landed straight on his feet and the crowd went nuts here and it just was perfect like this was exactly what i was hoping for and just like a lot of this weekend left satisfied and happy to know that masato yoshino went out on his own terms and he went out on a high
0: It makes me incredibly happy that this was his final match, that this was the Yoshino we got, not the one we saw dead or alive, not the one we saw injured and banged up and working at about 60%. This felt like Yoshino at about 95%, which is remarkable given everything he's been through. It's a match that really speaks for itself. I really don't have a ton to say about Yoshino on this episode, which I know is is odd given that this weekend was about him, but it was just... It was exactly what I wanted, and there's nothing else I can really pick apart, and it was just, it was nice to see everybody celebrate him this weekend, the Young Bucks bio, as of the time of this recording, just says Masato Yoshino, it's been tremendous seeing all the tributes pouring, both on this show, uh, and then everything that the fans have done, Alan Forel over at Pro Wrestling Torch, uh, if you have not listened to his audio yet, the, the audio piece that he did on Masato Yoshino. He's got interviews with Jay, with Gabe Sapolsky, with Alex Shelley, among others. Uh, the the Jigsaw audio is tremendous in that episode. Go to the Torch, give that a listen, and continue to celebrate the career of Masadi Yoshino.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Like I I've not listened to the second episode yet, but the Jigsaw part and and really everything he's done so far, but like the Jigsaw interview was so was so great. Yeah, check that out on Pro Wrestling Torch and. You know, this was just, we knew this was going to be the biggest weekend in, in the Dragon System history. First time that they ran back-to-back nights in Kobe World Cannon Hall. And it's something where, like, they left me feeling so satisfied. And they left that final match with, uh, the one thing that, that is is we're talking about is that Yoshino got handshakes out of both Hulk and Ata. And as Jay pointed out on Twitter, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to go well for those who are in the heel unit and are willing to shake hands with baby faces.
0: Yeah, this is what led to muscle outlaws forming out of blood generation. When uh, the blood generation side shook the hands of do fixer at ring of honor, Supercard of honor. I feel like Jay threw that tweet out there for a reason. He's a smart man. He, he uh, thinks before he tweets and uh, yeah, look, I think something big is going to happen at the august korokan show i think they are going to want to make a statement moving forward in a post yoshino era and if it happens with red it happens with red
2: yeah that's entirely fair so uh we have a couple main events you talk about the aichi one we have the main event for the uh osaka uh arena 2 show on the 9th it, we have actually only two matches. We have KZ and UT versus Naruki Doi and Benkei. That's interesting. And then four-unit exciting battle is happening, high-end versus RED, and I'm pretty stoked for that as well. Uh, anything? Oh, we also have the Corkin main event, case, And this is something that I know that you're kind of calling for, that we are getting at Corkin Hall on the 11th.
0: Yeah, the August 11th main event, and Hall, the four unit exciting battle series continues with High Ends Yamano Dragon Kid and Kagatora versus Natural Vibes, KZ, Susumi Yokosuka and King Shimizu, Masquerades, Jason Lee, Dragon Daya and La Estrella, and REDs Ata Kaito Ishida and Hyo, as well as on that show already announced. Uh, Shun Skywalker and Coach Minora versus Kai and Diamante, and the Strong Machine J comeback match with Strong Machines J, F, and G against Genki Horaguchi UT, and Funky Jackie Kamei.
2: Really, really exciting stuff. And Case, one thing you asked us to, asked me to do before we went off air here was to do a little bit of homework here. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you as we close things out here.
0: Well, I just I, as I was thinking about Shun Skywalker and the year he's had, and like I said earlier, he's in four out of my five uh, Geek matches of the of the year up to this point. Shun Skywalker versus KZ, Skywalker versus Ishida, Skywalker versus Yamato, and Skywalker versus Sakamoto. With the the one outlier there being KZ versus Coach Minora, which is also in my top five. I wanted to very briefly, as I know this episode's going a little bit longer than we normally go to, but it's, it was a big week in the show, so you can deal with it. Uh, I, I wanted to briefly do just kind of a check-in of who has the most four-plus star matches in Dragon Gate this year. I asked Mike to tabulate his. I've got my top five, and Mike, I would like to hear from you first.
2: All right, so there is some clumping here. There is one person who is by far leading the way with four-star matches with me, he has 10. It is Shun Skywalker. He is. He has, he has 10, 10 four-star matches, seven of those which are four stars and one quarter or better, five of those being at least four and a half stars, and then two, four and three quarter-star matches. And then I have a big mess of people at eight, at eight four-star matches, Yamato, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, and Susumi Yokosuka. So give me that list of eight one more time. It was Yamato, Jason
0: Lee, Kota Minora, and who else?
2: Sasumu Yokosuka. Susumi
0: Yokosuka, gotcha. That is a a very interesting list. Uh, I, can
2: you? Would you mind reading off the Susumu matches that you have? Oh, I don't have them by match. I have them just tabulated, tallied.
0: Devastating. Never mind them. Because Susumu someone who I obviously love, but I only have four Susumu matches at four stars or higher this year. Uh, so I find that discrepancy to be very interesting. Whereas the other guys uh, that you mentioned... Are names that will come up in just a second for me
2: yeah it was something that like with susumu i think it's something where it just all kind of came together from because out of everyone in my top five he does i do not have a four and a half star match for susumu this year just a lot of four star matches
0: yeah he's uh as consistent as anybody is every single year he's going to be in the running for stuff like this and uh, that's nice to see. Are there any other names that really stood out to you uh, on your list of, of guys that have been crushing it this year?
2: Uh, more interesting are the ones that didn't. Would you like to hear Go those up, real yeah. quick? Yeah, please. All right. So one of these kind of confirms a talking point we've had. Uh, SB Kento, that has not fared very well on my list. He has three four-star matches, and two of them were four stars and a quarter or better. And then after that, Keisuke Akuda. Only three four-star matches out of me this year. And then, working my way down the list, Kai had three, but I mean, given everything there. Uh, Masaki Mochizuki, only two four-star matches this year.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's wild. I've got Mochizuki with one, which is just the Coach Minora match. But, you know, it's something that I talked about in my review of the Kobe World Show, where, despite the fact that he was a Twin Gate champion at, at one point this year... It still feels like he hasn't been around that much and he hasn't been a huge part of the roster. So that doesn't totally surprise me.
2: Yeah, like I feel like that's completely justified the same way that like Benkei and Naruki Doi and Dragon Daya, because they were out for a while in Sushi Kondo, did not have as many for me. But I'm interested in what your top five are.
0: Yeah, so my top five, uh, this list begins with uh, I'll go five to one here Kota Minora. With seven four plus star matches, as well as ATA, which really surprised me. I've complained a lot about ATA on this show, but I have seven ATA matches at four plus stars or higher, which just, you know, really caught me by surprise. But a lot of those are RED versus Masquerade matches. And then what ATA did against KZ at King of Gate, I thought that match was terrific. Uh, after Ata Yamato has eight matches at four stars or higher. That does not surprise me. He's been very good this year. Number two, with nine matches at four stars or higher, it is Jason Lee, who I have said enough about on this episode. And then at 10 matches at four stars or higher, which is his, the clubhouse leader on my match of the year tracking right now, more four-star matches than Kenny Omega and more four-star matches than Shingo Takagi, it is Shun Skywalker.
2: I mean, he's a main event player case. We've heard it from Joe Lanza.
0: It's really really an impressive year. and It's going under the radar. Drangate has not been able to, to catch that buzz that they had at the end of last year. And it's a bummer because I really, really think Skywalker, Shingo, Omega, Phoenix, if he can get healthy and have a strong second half of the year, those are your most outstanding candidates this year. And I think Skywalker is just as strong as any of them.
2: Yeah, until doing this, I think I would probably would have also had Kenny Omega as my most outstanding this year. But now I'm looking at this, I'm like, I don't have that many four stars or better matches of Kenny Omega. It's Shin Skywalker. Like, he, he's in the clubhouse, he's sitting pretty, and he's got a very interesting remainder of 2021. Well, Case, we have crossed the vaunted two-hour mark. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here this week?
0: This is a very fun weekend of shows. If you haven't seen them... And for whatever reason, you've made it this far in the podcast. I I really recommend carving out some time, watching the hype matches, both Yoshino matches, both Twin Gate, both Triangle Gate and both Dream Gate matches. I really think those are well worth your time. And this was a terrific weekend for Dragon Gate. This was a weekend, you know, I I just I, I just had fun watching these shows. I had fun reading the tweets. I had fun with the discourse that was going on. This is a dumb hobby, but I really left this weekend just feeling like, man, this was a good time. I'm glad I'm involved with this. I'm glad I stayed up and watched these shows. I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I wrote this article. This was a nice weekend, Mike. This was a weekend that in terms of, you know, fandom, and we talked a lot about uh, VOW 10 last week, the voice of wrestling 10th anniversary. This is a weekend I'm going to remember for a long time. I had a lot of fun watching these shows.
2: Yeah, it's something where, for new time viewers of Dragon Gate, the shows, big shows are never this long. It's the biggest weekend in Dragon Gate's history, so they had to be this long. But I'll tell you this: those shows zoomed by, and that was the thing that, like, it is such a pleasant watch. And you know, it was something that, like, I as soon as the show was over on Sunday, I was like, "All right, can't wait to talk to Case on Tuesday about these things." And it's something that, like, it is, it does. I'm trying to think the best way to say this. It is a very scary time ahead for Dragon Gate without Masada Yoshino. But given the weekend that they had and given how things are looking like towards the future, any doubt I had that Dragon Gate was going to not be able to navigate these waters is completely... it it, it It's out of my head now because I'm so stoked about this. I can't wait until August 9th for the next live show. And sometimes that's always... Something that I'm like, all right, there's another show coming up here. No, I'm completely all aboard for it. If you, y'all have not, if you've gone through all this, and have not checked this out, go to voiceswrestling.com. Last week was Dragon Gate week. Case had his amazing article about the career of Masato Yoshino. A lot of good interviews, a lot of good nuggets in there. I had a piece go up previewing this weekend's Dream Gate matches and John Hernandez had an excellent piece looking back at the Mochizuki Dojo kids. Three years after, and kind of talking about where they were and how they've been since. And thank you all for listening. Uh, you could follow me at Fujihea. You can follow Case underscore in your case. And you can follow the podcast at Open Voice Gate. That's going to do it for this week's so Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next time talking more about Dragon Gate. Take care.